hello, everyone. We're here. We're back. Welcome, guys, to the only horror movie podcast. We're back. It's another show with us. I'm Nick. And this and is Joe. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't ready. I didn't know we were recording yet, but uh, yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, this is it. This is we are recording. This is the real thing. And um, yep, it's back to another uh, movie. This is a show, folks, where where uh, Joe Chapowski tells me, Nick Pupo, to watch a, a horror film. I go off and I watch it. I get scared or and or ex, or excited. Maybe not scared. Yeah, or maybe it, you hate it. I'm waiting. Eventually, there will be one of those. Eventually, there will be one of those. Uh, this episode, we're doing... Um, the only or the werewolf American werewolf in London. Yes. An American werewolf in London uh, from 1981 written and directed by John Landis. Uh, I'll say right up top. I just want to say this. I loved it. I'm glad to hear that because uh, I, I personally think it's a great movie. I really love it myself. It's a fantastic movie. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to get right into it? Is there anything that we should? Uh... Oh, sorry. There's a bunch of noise here. I mean, this isn't a studio, folks. This is uh, my living room. We're on a futon. It's a home studio. We've turned it into a studio. Yeah, it's a bit of a, it's definitely a home studio. Uh, technically, I guess you could say that, but it's a bit of a mess. I mean, I'm looking at all the cords here. Folks, we're figuring it out, you know? I think we got pretty good mics. You got some professional equipment, you know? I think the mics are fine. Yeah. The cords are fine. The equipment's fine. The cameras are, are new and, you know. They're okay, you know? They're not the best, but... There's something. We just want to bring people a visual aspect of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We'll get some better ones down the road if these uh, are inadequate. But no, no, I think they're great for now. I think that the people are going to love them and uh, we will thrive. How are you, man? How are you? You well? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm just uh, had a busy week, but uh, been good. Yeah. Yeah. We got the show tonight. Uh, My birthday yesterday had a bunch of like, you know, hosting a mic on Tuesday. Uh, That's right. Happy birthday to Joe. It's a big year for all of us. You know, we're all out here. Joe's got a show uh, tonight that you guys will not see because it will already be weeks past by the time you hear this. But he runs it. Is it a monthly? I think it's going to be a bi-monthly. So, you know, by the time this comes out, we will probably be starting to promote the next one. Yeah. And so it's at a place. If you live in L.A., it's at a place called the Mexican Village, Acapulco, Acapulco, Acapulco Goldies, Acapulco Goldies, Acapulco Goldies presents. Look out for it. You yeah. Know? I'm not a big uh, fan of using that word. Acapulco Goldies doesn't come out of my mouth right. Yeah. You have to, you know, you have to be pretty confident saying that one. Acapulco Goldies. Acapulco Goldies. Acapulco Goldies. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with that one. <laughs> You're not supposed to do anything. Nobody knows. Uh, so life is all right, huh? Life yeah, is it's okay. What about you? It's fine. I was telling Joe before we started recording, I'm, I'm uh, weaning off my antidepressants. No more Prozac. I'm on 10 milligrams. I was on 20. Things are going to change. Nick is doing great. Yep, I'm doing, doing good. so well. They're like, you don't even need... Yeah. Well, it's, you know, my therapist, my psychiatrist, you know, and I feel like this is most psychiatrists is they, they're kind of like an automated voice message. You know, they don't really talk to you, connect with you in any human way. Mine does, but I got got an exceptional one. That's good. I mean, I have my insurance just doesn't get me anything like I don't mind by not having insurance. Yeah. That's the thing is if you want something decent, you got to get not go through your shitty insurance. And that's what I always do. And I end up with a 
horrible uh healthcare professional oh yeah i get mine from uh you know the downtown mental health center that mostly treats uh like homeless and very low-income people because you know that's what i was when i started going there not homeless but you know almost no consistent income right yes of course so uh, but yeah dr nowak they're very good that's great um i'm addicted to the, to, to the dating apps i'm back on those we we're talking about a dopamine rush that you get from these uh swiping yeah and i cannot quit it cannot seem to but i gotta distract myself somehow you know it's uh yeah man it's tough you know like uh having promoting like uh, the social media for this podcast and for the show now like i'm spending way more time on it like not on dating apps but on instagram yeah and it's like uh it's very hard not to just like get completely distracted and let it eat half my day. Like, yes. Yeah, you got to be careful with those things. And you got to do other things to take care of yourself, you know? You got to exercise, you got to meditate, you got to do all the things to try and make yourself uh better. And uh I'm, I'm I highly recommend meditating and exercise. Yeah, both are really good. Well, you know, I don't hope everyone is not bored by, you know, what we're saying right now. I hope that everything's good. You know, I think it it will uh tie into the to the uh episode a little bit. That's good. I think it will too. You know, there's uh definitely uh mental illness and mental health is a a theme in this movie yes it certainly is that damn door is open there's an old person's home next to my home and when they open the door it lets off a beeping sound i don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast yet uh i don't know if we mentioned it but you know honestly all the stuff you're concerned about the mics picking up i i never hear it when i'm listening back but no it could just be because you're doing a good job editing it out yeah probably I don't know. I just, I, I hear it. I think it beeps so much that I hear it in my head when it's not happening. Like I'm walking around outside like miles from my home and I just hear this beeping. It's how often I hear it. Oh yeah. You sure it's not just like uh, another door, another similar door. It could be another similar door last night. Okay. Here's something interesting. I walked up, like I said, it's an old person's home. Haven't heard this yet, but I heard it last night. I was walking up after uh, I had a little date with a lady I was walking into my home and I heard this guy screaming next door. Just like it sounded like nice. an old man having night terrors. Oh, that reminds me of a place I used to deliver food to back in the day. Oh, yeah. I worked at this sandwich shop in St. Pete and uh, we had to deliver to this place called Jacaranda Manor, which was a state run mental health facility. Ooh, that's that scary. housed, uh, you know, people with uh, and also like a sort of retirement, too. So it was like elderly people. Uh, a lot of whom aged out of the prison system, like oh. they were doing, you know, serving long or life sentences, but their mental and physical state deteriorated so much. They had to get taken to this other facility. Oof. They also housed a guy uh, who, when I was in high school, this kid uh, got caught having sex with this dude's girlfriend who was into voodoo and stuff. And he ended up... Uh, chopping this kid's head off with a machete oh good lord and placing it on the hood of his car and oh, driving around with it my with a god mirror propped up in front of it so he could look at itself oh so it has oh. that guy and i had to deliver sandwiches to this place uh like jimmy johns similar thing yeah similar yeah thing. similar thing for yeah uh so yeah it was just like walking through a real life horror movie because oh like God. they'd always order to like the back nurses station so i had to walk through the whole place and there were people screaming and like flickering lights and it like reeked of urine and oh my be, God. Like, you know 
somebody like in a wheelchair just left in the hallway like reaching for you and you're walking oh my by God. and jesus like it was like uh it was scarier than any like insane asylum scene from a horror movie i've ever seen yeah it's real one of the guys i worked with his girlfriend uh, was a cna at the facility and she said there was this older lady who would always ask her who was a patient who would ask her how, about her boyfriend you know is he treating you right and everything and she'd always just be like yeah you know whatever you know just a weird old lady Later, uh, she found out that this woman was at the facility because she was serving a life sentence because she caught her husband in bed with another woman and locked them in the house and burned it to the ground with them inside. Wow. So gnarly place. Absolutely, Joe. Uh, Eventually, we stopped. We were like, you know, like we'll, we'll deliver her to the front desk. Yeah, that's even probably, there. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Oh, that's great. I'm glad we talked about that, you know? Yeah. Any, any, any good excuse to tell that story. That's know? a great, that's, I mean, it's a great, t- a couple of tales there you got. I do wonder how that man is doing over there in the, cause he was just like, bah! it was just like that. And yeah. then he would stop and then it, it was like intermittent, but it would keep going. I just like, I stood there and just watched the window. You know, maybe those were orgasms you were hearing. Yeah. Very aggressive. You know, and it was only one sided too. So maybe like he, maybe somebody gave him some Molly and you know, yeah, maybe he was having a great time. Probably not. You know, that no, might probably be a little not. optimistic. Uh, we can only hope. Anyways, so <laughs> the werewolf movie, American, the only, or <laughs> one of the only American werewolf. So an American werewolf in London. I, I thought it was great. A scary scale. I mean, you know, it, it it was less of a scary movie to me and more of a, just like a really fun and hilarious movie. It is one of the movies that sort of made horror comedy a thing. Really? Yeah. They have some great, like some great jokes. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think it makes sense because John Landis was, was, and still is primarily known as a comedy director. Yeah. What else did John Landis do? What was his thing? He is an American comedy filmmaker and actor known for uh, Kentucky fried movie, national lampoons, animal house. Oh, the blues brothers. Oh yes. Of uh, course. American werewolf in London, trading places, three amigos coming to America and Beverly Hills cop three. Got it. Also directed the Michael Jackson uh, thriller uh, video. Hilarious. And uh, Black or White. Okay, fantastic. Now that makes all this sense. Yeah. Because I was watching it and I was like, there are some fantastic, like jokes that I've never seen before in movies. And I was just like, this is amazing. Yeah, right. It's like, I think it uh, it really like, it's got its scary moments and it's really, it's pretty gory and violent and dark in some parts, but the comedy, I think edges out the horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's some, yeah, there's some really great. I mean, it's, I was, I was just, it, I just enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. You know, I've watched it multiple times and it was, it's, it never loses its charm. And like, there's always stuff you forget that catches you off guard. Like, yeah. Some great, just great comedy moments in this movie. Notable for special makeup effects by Rick Baker. Uh, for which he won the first ever uh, Academy Award for makeup effects. Oh, I mean, there's some fantastic makeup effects in this movie. Yeah, the the transformation. Really yeah, the transformation oh, yeah. scene in particular was a uh, considered like a landmark for practical effects. Oh man, it's so good. Uh, the extending of the hands, the growing feet, and stuff. Yeah, took uh, seven months to repair that. Oh my god! For like, uh, just like the just the face part, seven months, and it like uh, it was a seven second shot, and Rick Baker was initially really disappointed because he thought, you know, he's like he had thought he had wasted his time, but then he saw the movie with an audience, and they applauded at just that one 
shot of the face during the transformation. That's so good, man. And uh, he realized that like, oh, actually this was a That's huge awesome. success. Yeah, that was amazing. I loved it. Um, oh yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things about the development. Maybe we can talk about up top. Okay. Uh, so Landis originally wrote the script in 1969 and shelved it for 10 years because uh, the financiers thought it was too frightening to be a comedy and too humorous to be a horror movie. Right. Which is kind of exactly why it works. Uh, but after having success with Kentucky fried movie, animal house and the blues brothers, he was able to get financing. Oh, so it came after all that stuff. Yeah. It came after it's an interesting, uh, note. John Landis came up with a story when he was working in Yugoslavia as a production assistant on Kelly's heroes in 1970. Oh, so he and a Yugoslav member of the crew were driving in the back of a car on location when they came across a group of Roma, uh, or, gypsies which is i think i don't know if you're supposed to say that sure so they appeared to be performing rituals on a man who was being buried in a massively deep grave feet first and wrapped in garlic so he would not rise from the dead oh okay uh and this made landis realize he would never be able to confront the undead and gave him the idea for a film in which a man would go through the same thing and that's that's this yeah hell yeah that was what yeah that was what spawned the idea for it you know a guy buried to feet first with garlic all over them. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. The things that inspire movie ideas, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, cell block 28, the meat packing district, S and M club, or, uh, you know, that's right. Yeah. The meat, the weird, meat, the meat house or whatever the hell weird funeral ritual, uh, and universal originally wanted Landis to cast Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi too as, silly. Yeah. Nope. Too silly. Yeah, he went with unknown actors instead, both of who had been, uh, they had only, were only known for being in Dr. Pepper commercials. Oh, that's great. For the I'm a Pepper campaign. Man, what a break for those fellas. Uh, yeah, that would have been too funny to, to, with Belushi and Aykroyd. Yeah, right. It would have been like, I feel like it would have been a, it, I don't think it would have worked. Would have been a straight up comedy. Yeah. yeah like yeah. those guys, Belushi especially, I don't think he would have been able to play like it's straight enough. Like, I think even Aykroyd, I think they're just too fun. They're too, they're like pure comedy to me. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see them in a lot of serious roles. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So I feel like maybe, uh, do you want to get into it? And then yeah, let's can, get into uh, it. Cool. Uh, all right, folks. So this is an American werewolf in London and we're going through the plot synopsis here. So we open on a truck driving down the highway uh, and it's got sheep in the back, right? The driver stops the car, gets out of the truck and opens up the back uh, of the truck to reveal two hitchhikers. These are our, our, our two boys, Jack and David. Yep. And so he lets them out and, and uh, one of them, Jack is like, yeah, hey, there's lovely sheep back there, you know? And so right up yeah. top, we get like kind of some humor up there, you know, yeah, that was improv too. Oh, hell yeah. That's great. The driver's like, yeah, hey, you know, go, you can go that way. Stick to the roads, whatever. Stay they, clear of the moors. Stay clear of the moors, they say, you know, so they say goodbye. They say goodbye to the sheep. They say goodbye, girls, miss you. So then they're walking through the, the moors in York, Yorkshire. Yeah. Yeah. They're in Northern England. Yeah. Just out in the moors in the countryside. Yeah. So they're walking down the street and they're talking about this girl, Debbie Klein, that Jack wants to go meet in Rome. Cause their whole life, their whole goal here is right to go to Northern England and then go to Italy later. And Jack's like, I want to meet Debbie Klein there. And Jack's like, eh, she's, you know, she's fine. You don't need her, blah, 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 whatever. As night falls, they stop at a local pub called the slaughtered lamb. Notably the, the sign on the slaughtered lamb, has a uh, has a wolf with like a spike through its head. Yeah, and like a bunch of blood all over the place. Yeah, yeah and Jack's like, where's the lamb? 
Mm-hmm. And David's like, it's probably inside getting cold. Let's get in there. And so they walk inside and the patrons and the employees are, they, they all just, a, a hush falls over the room as they walk in. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of walk, look at them walking like, what the hell? Who are these people? You know, just getting the fucking stares from yeah. the locals. Yeah. Getting all the stink eye. And then uh, they sit down. The bartender comes over and asks, you know, what do they want? And then they try to order different things. And they're like, we don't have that. We don't have food. And he's like, can I have some tea? And they're like, yeah, I can make you some tea. Fine. Yeah. And then Jack points at a five star appointed star on the wall. And uh, when he asks about it, the pub goers become very hostile. Yeah. And it's like a five pointed star painted like in red on the wall and surrounded by candles. Yeah. Looking very suspicious. Yeah. And Jack's like, he's saying to, to uh, David, he's like, that's used for witchcraft. It's the mark of the wolf man. He says, yeah, it's a pentagram. It's a pentagram. And so uh, one bar patron says at one point, he goes, this is this. He goes, did you hear about the one uh, about the crashing plane? And then he starts telling this long story to everybody and everyone's just gathered around listening. And it ends up just being this uh, racist joke. Yeah. This is a, a real long racist joke. <laughs> we're at the end. The punchline is that they throw a Mexican out of the plane. Yep. And then everyone laughs. And then uh, and then he, sa- he says, remember the Alamo and throws him out of the plane. That's right. Yeah. Jack's like, hey, what's the star on the wall for? And then everybody goes totally quiet again. Yeah. And a guy misses his dart and the dart hits next to the board. And he says, I've never missed before, you know. And then they then basically they just kick him out. They're like, get the hell out of the bar. Yeah. It reminds me of a. <laughs> A moment, the story that happened behind Peacock Room with you and Tom and Finnerty. Uh-oh. Finnerty's brother. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, oh, yeah. When we got jumped? When you guys got jumped and maybe shot at. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Tom Tom Feeney, me, uh, Sean Finnerty, and Sean Finnerty's little brother. Uh, they're all comedians except for the little brother. But, yeah, the one guy came out. We were outside, uh, me and Tom. At this open mic. We thought it was an open mic. It ended up being like this hip hop. It was an open mic. And then it turned into a rap battle after. Turned into a rap battle. And we were standing outside. This guy comes outside and he throws a bottle at the wall and it shatters. And then this bartender comes running outside. He's like, who threw that bottle? And he looks at me. He's like, did you throw that? And I was like, no, no. I I pointed to the guy who threw it. And I go, Mm -hmm. no, 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 it was that guy. And then the bartender goes inside. And the guy looks at me, he goes, why are you snitching, dude? And then long story short, this ends with me and Tom and Sean and his little brother getting into my car. And then a huge group of these guys uh, beating the shit out of us uh, in our in my car. So they yeah. come over, they run up to the window while my window's down, punch me in the face. And Tom is off peeing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then these guys come over and they just start punching me through the window. They start punching Sean and his little brother, but they're like closing the door on these guys. Sean is like closing the door on this, this dude's hand or something. And then they pull out a gun and point it at my head. And then I like cover my face. You know, I'm like, I'm about to die. And then something, I don't know. I don't even know how I got out of this, but at some point I like kicked somebody, was able to get all my doors closed and then sped off. And then they started firing bullets into the air. And then Tom had like escaped. <laughs> And like, oh. he like hopped the fence, right? He hopped the fence and then he, he ended up at a bar across the street and he already had like a drink in his hand. He's like, are you guys okay? We thought he was dead. Jesus. Like we were like, Tom's dead. I called the police and the police came and they were like, we don't like, they didn't give a shit. They're yeah. like, yeah, what, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, at that point it's like, yeah, no one actually got shot, I guess, you know? Yeah. Pretty but scary. That's uh, wow. I've never heard your version of it. I know you got a gun actually pointed at you. Oh that's, yeah. They pointed a gun right in my head. Oh, uh, it was way more terrifying than the version I heard from Finnerty. His is just like, you know, yeah, he people got like got punches were thrown and stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I was in the front seat and they pointed a gun right at me. 
Oh shit! That's yeah, yeah, fucking, that's terrifying. Yeah, no, it wasn't cool. Yeah, well, sorry for bringing it up. No, no, it's okay. I try not to think about it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's not a big deal. All right, good. Well, uh, good. <laughs> I uh, okay. So they're they're on their way out, and on their way out, one of the men, one of the patrons in the bar says, uh, "Stick to the roads. Beware of the moon." Then they head out. Stay clear of the moors. Stay clear of the moors. So they they leave. And then we cut to the bar patients and they're like, we shouldn't have let them go. You know, some, some people are like kind of disputing this. And one guy's like, it's murder. And then the other guy who, who told the racist story, he's like, then murder it is. Yeah. You know, he's just like, fuck him. Yeah. You know, big surprise. Yeah. That guy. And so they go, these guys, Jack and, and David are, they're out walking the streets again and it starts raining and they're like, whatever, you know, they start singing songs and they're just running along, having a yeah. good time. A little like, you know, upset, you know, a little like shaken by the incident at the pub but like making the best of it yeah yeah by the way i'm not sure what moors are neither am i who cares all right so <laughs> you know you know yeah, the moors you guys know what the moors stay are. clear of the moors stay clear of the moors you you'll know them when you see them and then we come back to the bar the, bar, the bartender's like uh you know maybe the rain will save them and um then the boys are walking along they hear a howling we cut back to the bartender and they're like oh my god but they hear the howling and the other guy the, the racist story he's like i didn't hear nothing He's just totally ignoring it, you know, and the backpackers hear the howling and they're like, what the hell is that? You know, they realize that it's a full moon in the, in the, you know, in the sky. And they're like, so they, they decide, you know, let's just go back to the slaughtered lamb. And then they, they head back and they're looking around. It's kind of foggy. And they're like, we don't know where we are. So we're lost. Yeah. They're off the road at this point. They're off the road, which is what they were not supposed to do. They were not supposed to do that. Stick to the roads. And so the monstrous uh, sound, it moves closer to them. And they're like, what is that? It's coming closer. So they start running. And uh, then David slips and falls. And then suddenly, as J- David's on the ground, Jack is attacked by this monster that we don't really see much of. Yeah. And then David they, just gets up and he starts running away. Totally panicked. Totally panicked. And Jack is 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 being brutally torn apart by this thing. You know, and then David's like, what am I doing? And he screaming. runs back. Yeah. Like, screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah. And then David runs back to save his friend and uh, he, he, he arrives at, uh, at Jack and he's just totally just destroyed. And then immediately uh, Dave is also attacked by the monster, right? Mm-hmm. So he's getting slashed up. But then suddenly the bar patrons, they, they appear out of nowhere and they shoot the monster with the shotgun. Yeah. And then David looks over as he's on the ground and he sees that there's a naked man with a shotgun blast in his side who's dying. And then he passes out. Modern audiences know exactly what that is, I think. But apparently in the 80s, there hadn't been a werewolf movie since like the Wolfman movies. Whoa. So people were totally confused by that scene. They were just like, what? Like, wow, there was a there was a monster. But then there's just a guy. That's crazy. Yeah, because we all know what it is. So David wakes up three weeks later in a hospital to an attractive nurse. This is Nurse Price, also known as Alex. Right. Yep. Another nurse, Nurse Gallagher. Uh, and, and Dr. Hirsch walks in and the nurse Gallagher, she's like, uh, oh, he's a Jew, you know, <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> uh, and, and, uh, nurse price is like, what, what do you, what, what, why do you say that? And she's like, Oh, I had a look. And, uh, and nurse price is like, Jesus, that's not proper. You shouldn't be doing and looking at this guy's dick, you know? Yeah. And, um, and she's like, besides it's pretty common now, you know? And then Dr. Hirsch is like, she's right. And then, and then nurse Gallagher feels kind of bad, 
You know, she's like, oh, fuck, I'm an idiot. Yeah. And then uh, and the doctor's like, get out of here, Gallagher. Well, the, the doctor walks in on that conversation. Right, He, right. he wasn't there initially. You right. Know? And, right, right. Yeah, and he's like, you know, surely you perform some function at this hospital. Yeah, yeah. He's like, get out of here, you idiot. <laughs> so then she uh, she leaves. David wakes up and he's like, Jack, where's Jack? And he's like, uh, you know, doctor's like, I'm sorry, you know, Jack is dead. And David just starts freaking out. You know, and then everyone's trying to get him to calm down. And there's that guy in the suit. Who's that guy in the suit? I think he's from the U.S. Embassy. He's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's from like, the U.S. Embassy. He's like, you know, they just say he's one of your countrymen and he's like here to help you or whatever. At one point, he's like, this guy's like, he's like talking about David. He's like, this fucking guy. He's freaking out. And it's like, well, he's just attacked. And his friend was brutally murdered. And he saw another man slash werewolf be murdered in front of him, which whatever. They don't know that. Yeah. You know? But but he's like uh, at one point he says like these asshole kids don't know what's good for him. Yeah, this guy's a real dick. <laughs> it's like why? So okay, so then they tell David that it was a lunatic. He was attacked by a lunatic, and David's like, no no no, it was a wolf. And they're like, did he say wolf? The and absurdity. Then, uh, the absurdity of it. What are you talking about? A wolf? We saw a man was mur- man was shot with a fucking shotgun right in front of you, you dummy. So now we're in the doctor's office. Uh, the doctor invites the chief of police into his office. This is Inspector uh, Villiers, I think his name is. And then a representative. Yeah, these guys are from Scotland Yard. Scotland yeah. Yard. Yes. And uh, it's it's uh, Inspector Villiers and Sergeant McManus. And McManus is like a he's very real. He's like a real goofy British fella, you know? Yeah. Some great comedy moments. Uh, bumbling. Yeah, bumbling dummy with this mustache, you know, he's getting yelled at. He's getting yelled at and like scorned and stuff. The doctor's like, "Uh, would you like some tea? McManus is like, I would like some tea. And then the chief looks at him and he's like, you know, what the hell? And he's like, oh, maybe not. Never mind. No, thanks. And then uh, the doctor says, what I can what can I help you with? And McManus speaks first. You know, he's like, we understand that the Kessler boy has regained consciousness. And the chief looks at him. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm sorry. And uh, as they converse, the doctor gets a call from the secretary and she's like, uh, hey, you got a call. And then this is a, a great moment. The doctor's like, tell him I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> they keep bringing up this guy, like the guy who's trying to like, who's trying to call him. Yeah. It's a guy who's trying to get him uh, on the dead, phone. But, but he's like, uh, he's like, tell him I died from an old war wound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So then at that point, he's on the phone. It's like a really like British comedy chaotic moment, you know, because then he like the rep. The uh, McManus knocks over like a bunch of bowls and stuff as he's on the Bed phone. Bedpans, I think. Bedpans and stuff. So then we cut to the to the police questioning David about the incident where Jack was killed. You know, and David doesn't have much to tell him. He's like, except you know, Jack was killed by a large, powerful animal. The police tell David that he, uh, they talked to the patrons at the slaughtered lamb and they told him that Jack was killed by a recently escaped murderer. And McManus is kind of a, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he objects a little bit. He's like, well, two strong boys could have taken on one man, you know? Yeah. And the chief is like, what the hell is wrong with you? He's like, just shut up. Yeah. He's like, what are you saying? Like the local cops are lying and trying to cover it up. That's right. Which, why would they do that at this point? Right. So they leave. David begins to experience these strange dreams, right. That become these like nightmares. Like one, he's running through a forest naked. He sees a deer and he murders the deer and just starts eating the deer raw. That's fun. It's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, uh, he couldn't show any full frontal uh, on those scenes because uh, apparently his character is supposed to be Jewish, but he informed John Landis that he was, in fact, not uh, circumcised. So, Oh, that's the only reason. They wanted to show. Damn. They wanted him to hang some dong, but he wasn't able to because uh, it would conflict with. Uh, well, he probably could have pulled it back. You know, they could have done some movie magic. Yeah, maybe, you know, could taped <laughs> <laughs> done some taping at the yeah. 
the old donger. So now uh, we're, we get, we're with Nurse Price. This is Alex, right? And she's taking care of some children in a hospital. She's, she's very sweet. It's a very like cute, sweet, you know, scene. She's an attractive lady. Little kid who just says no to everything. Yeah, it's a little asshole kid who keeps saying no about everything. Um, and so she's actually taking care of David. She tells him to eat his lunch. You know, you got to eat lunch. And he's like, I'm not hungry. And he's just listening to jazz or something on his Walkman. But there's like a little bit of a flirtatious vibe here, Joe. And uh, she says, should I be forced to feed you, Mr. Kessler? And he says, you can call me David. And so then she sits next to him on the bed and uh, she starts feeding him. And it's very cute. There's some chemistry. He's really into it. They're connecting. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Uh, There's some prolonged eye contact. And then we have another dream, right? And David is running through the forest and he comes to a bed and he sees himself lying in the bed. And uh, then Nurse Price in the dream approaches him. You know, and this is in the woods again. He's in the woods. Yeah, just a bed in the middle of the woods. Bed in the middle of the woods. And then Nurse Price approaches him. And when, when David in the bed opens his eyes, he's got these like monstrous eyes and he gives a snarl. He's got these teeth. He's like, yeah. yeah, he said that was the most painful scene to film too because of the thick contacts he had to wear. Oh, shit. And he said also it was really cold running through that forest and, it, you know, everything hurt his feet. So it was real hard to make it look like. He was comfortably running, damn, confidently running naked through the forest. That's the that's the shitty part of being a fucking actor. So the doctors continue to not believe Dave's story about the attack, right? Being a, a, attacked by this giant wolf, you know, they just won't believe him. And he's like, "You guys think I'm crazy?" And uh, the doctor's like, "Just just stay here, stay in the hospital, and 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 try to stay sane," you know, which isn't a nice thing to say to a patient. But, yeah, kind of gaslighting him a little bit, right? And so then uh, the doctor, as he's like, he goes up to Nurse Price and he's like, hey, go, go keep the guy company. And so we, we cut to her by his bedside. He wakes and he's like, uh, he, he sees her and he's like, he calls her beautiful, you know, and she's like, oh, that's very sweet. Would you, would you like me? To, I'll read you some of my book. And he's like, uh, sure. But then we cut to David, right? He's in his home with his family mm-hmm. and he's sitting at the dinner table. There's a knock at the door. And he's got like his brother and his sister and his, his parents are there. His father goes to open the door and then he's he's blasted away by a machine gun, like an Uzi. And it's uh, wielded by these wolf soldiers. Yeah, they're uh, they're Nazi werewolves, Nazi werewolves. And then they just start ravaging the whole place and just shooting a whole family, setting things on fire. Yeah, they're just fucking just shooting all the windows out, just just shooting up the whole house. They blast everything and they hold a, a knife to David's throat. And then right at the end of that scene, they slit his throat open. And then he wakes up and he's like, ah! and then he's back with nurse price in the hospital bed. And then she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I had this horrible nightmare. And she says something like, I'll go get you some water. Right. She gets up, she opens the curtain and then she's just stabbed by another Nazi wolf. <laughs> Werewolf, yeah. <laughs> and then he wakes up again. And he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that really uh, gets you that like, you know, you think you're out of the dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, just a, another layer to the nightmare. It's a great double dream, you know? So, uh, so after a few days, these scenes are weirdly relatable too. We can talk about that a little bit later. Oh, hell yeah. So after a few days in the hospital, David sees an apparition of Jack, his dead buddy. And Jack is just like this mutilated, just torn to shreds, torn all to shreds, ripped open. Like yeah. Just ripped open. Oh, it's disgusting. He's all bloody. He says like kind of like a fresh zombie. Right. But when he shows up, he says to Dave, the first thing he says, is he goes, can I have some toast? And it's just, he's very casual. It's just a very cool way of playing a corpse, you know? And uh, he goes, he sits down by by uh, David on his bed and he starts kind of eating some of his food and stuff while he's chatting. And uh, he's telling about the funeral and he's like, ah, yeah, Bessie or whatever. She was crying and stuff. That was hilarious. 
And David's just like, I'm losing my mind. I don't, I don't believe this is really going on. But Jack has come back as the spirit, right, to warn David that they were attacked by a werewolf. And my spirit is stuck in limbo. And until the wolf's bloodline is severed, I'm just going to stay here forever. And uh, the, the werewolves, are, you know, they'll keep ravaging the, the city. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. It's you. Ouch. Ouch, indeed. And so David screams, no. And Jack says, the power of the darkness is real. The dead surround me. And he says, you ever talked to a corpse before? It's boring, which has got to be true. Yeah, right? What are you talking about? They're not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. And so then he says, uh, David, kill yourself, which is not the advice that you want to hear from your best friend, you know? No, no. He's just like, take the L, dude, kill yourself. It's over. And so then Nurse Price enters as Alex is like, ah, he's like freaking out. Nurse Price, Alex comes back in. She's like, what's going on? And then he kisses her immediately. And uh, he says, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> she says, he's like, I was visited by Jack. And he says that I'm a, I'm a, I'll be a werewolf in a few days. And Alex has become, she, you know, she's become very attracted to David at this point, you know. So she says, do you, do you have anywhere to stay when you're getting out of here? So she invites him to stay with her, which um, not really a rational decision, you know. No, you're probably not professional or, you know. Unprofessional. Re- you recommended, you know. But also, yeah, just a, just common sense. You know, you got this guy who's obviously mentally troubled right now. Yeah. In a very vulnerable position. But uh, also very handsome. Very handsome. And they really got this chemistry going. But she's like, I'll put aside all this stuff about the werewolf if you if you lay with me. Mm-hmm. You know? She's pretty good looking, too. Oh, she's way. very attractive. You know, yeah. Nurse Price. Yeah. So they embark on this cute romance, right? They're a good couple. She uh, she brings them to her flat. And I say flat because we're... This is... We're in London. We're in London, baby. So she tells him, and say, she's kind of showing around the house. She's like, this is the bathroom. And he's like, ooh, cool. And she's like, she's like, this is the living room. And he's like, oh, all right. And we're just like, oh, we know we're going, we know we're going to the bedroom, you know? And so she says, it brings her to the bedroom. Like, this is the bedroom. And then uh, he's like, oh, you know, and they start kind of like looking at each other. And she's like, I find you very attractive and a bit sad. You know, it's a kind of like a, a compliment followed by a kind of a slap in the face but it's true yeah, well you know i mean who wouldn't be sad in his situation your best friend it's a got fix eaten by it, a wolf. It, it's a it's a fixer upper kind of situation yeah. uh so then she's like i'm gonna go take a shower and then immediately we cut to them in the shower and they're making out mm-hmm. and van morrison's uh Hot and heavy van morrison's uh what's the song that's moon, dance. <laughs> moon dance all the songs if you notice in the movie had the moon in the title oh very interesting I like that fact. Then they start having sex and uh, they're very into it, you know, and it's actually, it's quite a long sex scene. Yeah. We're into it, you know? Yeah. And the, but it's like almost like the whole song, it's a whole moon dance. It's like the yeah. whole song of moon dance and they're just going at it and it's, it's fun. We see tits, you know, classic horror film stuff. And uh, then there's, uh, I think there's been boobs in every movie except for the fog. Yeah. So far, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very popular. There'll be in a lot of them, you know, especially the ones from this time period. Yeah. Boobs are all over the place. Modern ones. They don't go for it as often because, you know, like they consider it like in poor taste. Or, yeah. It's a little misogynist uh, you know, or something. Exploitative, you know, sexist. Right. Right. You know, that depends on your point of view. Absolutely. Like, I agree. Some of, it definitely is in some cases. Some cases it's more justified. and Absolutely. There's tasteful ways to do it. There's necessary times to do it, but it can be gender balanced and other things. But this I'd say was pretty tasteful. Anyways. So 
Afterwards, Alex is asleep in the bed, and David wakes up. He's like, oh, does he use a bathroom? Then he goes to the bathroom. He starts peeing, you know. Then he closes the medicine cabinet or whatever, and in the mirror is David's corpse again. Or Alex. Uh, sorry. Jack's, and then Jack's it's, corpse. It's Jack's corpse again. And Jack is, now he's a little more decayed. Yeah, he's like green. He's all thing. green and stuff. Yeah. And uh, David's like, you're not real. And Jack's like, don't be a putz, you know. So he takes him into the living room, and he sits David down again. And Jack, like, picks up this little Mickey Mouse doll and he's like hello david <laughs> and uh and he says tomorrow night's a full moon and you're gonna change unless you kill yourself and david's like i i, I don't believe this i don't believe you i don't believe that you're here this is happening and uh jack's like you gotta take your own life this is not pretend so alex wakes up she enters yeah the- which n- no good options there two terrible which options to kill either, yourself yeah, either that or you become or you're gonna change like yeah, yeah right i don't i don't know i feel like yeah if i were given those options i would be like maybe i'll maybe i'll ride this werewolf thing out i think i would you know yeah could be fun yeah so alex could wakes be. up she enters into the room and, and uh jack disappears you know and, and david's just left feeling like I'm, I'm losing my mind you know like this isn't uh this isn't happening and he's like jack was back and he tells me i want to turn into a wolf and she's like it's gonna be fine you know whatever blah 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 she says this interesting line she says uh she said i'm torn between f- feeling sorry for you and finding you terribly attractive and i i don't know why those two things can't both exist yeah i mean isn't that the entire uh like goth and emo genres like right isn't that what <laughs> yeah i feel sorry for you but you're also hot as hell yeah uh now we're emo i guess in that right so now the doctor arrives at the slaughtered lamb because uh, he's like wants to do his own investigating, you know, and the patrons are very con- uh, cautious and they don't want to tell him anything. And he asks about the star on the wall and the bartender's like, eh, it's been there for 200 years. Shut up. And the doctor begins questioning everyone and everyone's very apprehensive. You know, they don't they're in denial about any kind of werewolf situation. He asks if there's anything to eat. The bartender's like, there's no food here. And then everyone's like, nothing for you here, sir. The least friendly pub. Yeah, it's the least friendly pub. But one guy goes outside. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm going to get out of here. And so as uh, the bar, as the doctor leaves, he sees that patron uh, standing outside staring at him. And so he like walks up to this guy and the guy's like that boy. He's in trouble. He's like, uh, there's something wrong with this place. And it's almost a full moon. And that boy is going to change. And right as he says that, the, the, the racist uh, bar patron's like, that's enough. Yep. And that's it. And so the doctor leaves. Always scared. Always scared. scared. Closed-minded men trying to control everything. That's right. Fucking you know? racist. <laughs> Maybe if they had just been upfront about the werewolf thing, they could have, you know, <laughs> something could have been done. Right. So we cut back to David. David is, uh, he's with Alex, but Alex has taken off for work for the day. So she says goodbye. And he, uh, she, she, uh, he's on the stoop, right? And he's just kind of like, okay, goodbye. And then a dog walks by. The dog starts like barking at david and he's like oh, what the hell and like these little kids are laughing at him and then he's like he goes to get back into the house and it's locked so he's like i gotta try and break into this house so he starts kind of like sneaking around the house and there's a cat and the cat just starts hissing at him and you're like oh something's going on here you know something's going on with with david and uh so then he finally get, wakes uh, he finally gets into the house he like checks himself in the mirror he kind of begins snarling at the mirror like a joke you know checks his teeth and then uh dead moon rising starts playing by uh credence clearwater revival yeah, bad moon rising it's Badman Rising. Yeah, yeah. Fuck me. But, but yeah, Moon again. You're right. Yeah. I did not connect these things. Then David is just uh, fucking around in the house. There's a montage of him running through, rummaging through the fridge. And he's like, I'm not hungry. You know? And so he starts reading. We'll cut back to Alex at the hospital. And she's taking care of children at the hospital. And she's with that same boy. She says, go to sleep. He says, no. 
And she says, go to sleep. She says, no. And she says, have you ever, have you ever been severely beaten about the face and neck? And he's like, no. And she's like, I didn't think so. Who is this? That's what Nurse Price says. Oh. So it's like a weirdly horrifying threat to be cute about. So that night, David, he's like back at the house, right? And then he suddenly starts, he just starts writhing in pain, right? He's like, starts screaming. He's like, I'm on fire. Starts tearing his clothes off. Starts trying to get naked. Uh, gets completely naked. And then the transformation starts happening, right? His hands start growing. Like we were talking about earlier, his feet start growing. And then his face transforms into this wolf thing. Hair starts growing out everywhere. Hair everywhere. And there's that song that's like uh, Blue Moon. Blue is Moon playing. is playing. Yeah. yeah, the Sam Cooke version. That's Sam Cooke version. And uh, yeah, really like kind of ironic um, music for what's happening. Like this that's horrific. great because it's like he's writhing in pain and like in agony the whole time and like just sprouting fangs and yeah. claws and like his whole bones are yeah. breaking and rearranging. Like blue Moon. <laughs> without a dream in my it's just it's it's a great juxtaposition screaming yeah it's awesome and also we get a little shot of that mickey mouse figure as this happens which yeah right yeah so now he's a full werewolf and then we see a shot of the moon and we hear him howling right now so now he's loose in the city and then we we see like a there's a couple that gets out of like this uh cab and they're on their way to like a dinner party and he just you know they just get murdered Mm -hmm. by 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 david Right. And then there's another man from a dinner party who's like who walks out and he is looking for his friends. And then he steps on the arm like a torn apart arm. And then it cuts from that. I don't know if they got murdered. I don't think they did. Yeah. I think they're just finding the remains. They're just finding the remains of their dead friends. Yeah. And now we're at the we're uh, with the doctor. Uh, and he comes to the hospital to find Alex and he tells Alex, he's like, look, I'm concerned about David. It's a full moon. He expounds on like on his theories of, of, about uh, David being a werewolf. He's like, I don't think maybe he's not necessarily like a werewolf on all fours, but but he's 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 deranged and, and, and dangerous, you know? Yeah. Clinical lycanthropy is what they call that. Is that when you believe you are a werewolf? Oh, interesting. I have a little bit of experience with it. Hell yeah. We'll talk about it later. Oh, nice. So the werewolf then attacks like these homeless people, just kills three homeless people. And then he starts stalking this man in the London underground. Right. The man hears David. He hears him growling and he's like, what the hell? And so he begins to walk away quickly. He's like, I'm not amused. I shall report this. Yeah. I think it's just somebody fucking with him. Yeah. And so the man begins to run away and then he catches sight of of David as the werewolf. And he's like, oh, my God. And he starts running as fast as he can. And he slips and he just like hits his head on the escalator. And then David approaches him and then just he just, you know, does what werewolves do, does what werewolves do. And it's right. was that shot, too, by the way, because like it's shot from the point of view of the top of the escalator. So you're looking down. This guy's like at the bottom of the escalator starting to come up. Yeah. Slowly. And then the, the wolf just enters the frame. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to a lion roaring. It's like this match cut, you know, and David wakes up and he's naked in a zoo and he had like broken into the wolf cage yeah, and slept with the wolves. Yeah. By the way, the only reassurance he got filming that scene was, uh, the trainer said, Oh yeah, the wolves have just been fed. No sudden movements or loud noises, you know? Oh, good. Great. And then, uh, he's the, the filming was supposed to end by 9am, but it ran over. And at one point he looked up and was like, what are all these extras doing here? And they were like, oh, those aren't extras. The zoo is just open. Oh, my God. Well, he's just naked in this wolf oh, that's, cage. That's awesome. Now, we're, we're with Alex, and she's at home wondering where David is. And David's back at the park, right? He, he goes up to this little kid, and he's like, uh, 
he steals these balloons from this little kid. He like lures this kid in and he's like, yeah, hey, I'll give you. Just this kid gets lured over this talking bush. Yeah. And then, and then he brings him over. He's like, I'll, I'll give you two pounds. And the kid's like, uh, he's like, uh, who are you? And he's like, I'm the balloon thief. And he's like, well, why would a balloon thief give me two pounds? And then, and then he, the guy, he just snatches the balloons and then runs off, covered himself with the balloons. Uh, and then he steals like a, a red overcoat from this woman who's sitting on a bench. Yeah, that's a great shot too, where it's just these old people sitting on a bench in front of these like cages, and then he just comes like sprinting by and grabs yeah. his coat. Up. Yeah, with his balloon, his balloons covering his yeah. uh, dick and stuff. <laughs> and uh, so he then he rides um, back to Alex's flat on the tube. So then we cut to the doctor. The doctor's walking down the street, and the doctor sees uh, on the newsstand that there's uh, he says there's a man on the, that was half eaten. Then we're back at Alex's house. David enters Alex's home and she's like, oh, my God, what the hell? Where have you been? And he's like, oh, I woke up in a zoo. And uh, he's like, everything seems to be fine. Everything's fine. You know, and he just kind of calms her down. You know, she doesn't really think much of it. She's kind of like, that's crazy, but you're back and I'm happy that you're OK. Yeah. You know, everyone wakes up naked in the zoo occasionally. Yeah. She's just like, I'm happy to have him back, you know. And then the doctor calls and he's like, hey, you know, he starts asking about David and he's like, is he acting strange? And she's like, eh, no, not really. You know, it's like, whatever. He woke up in a zoo and and she was and he's like, woke up in a zoo. And he's like, yeah, she, she's like, fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal. He's like, uh, you need to bring David to the hospital because uh, he needs to be in my care and we need to notify the police. And so she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So then Alex and David, they go for a, a day on the town. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, walk around. They're having a great time just being a sweet couple. And then they get into a cab and the cab driver's like, man, did you hear about those six people that were murdered last night? You know, and, and David's like, what? And he's like, uh, yeah, all these people were just like torn apart. It's just crazy. And he's like, pull over. David's just furious and, and very anxious, right? Yeah. By the way, were the homeless people that night before too? The same night as the subway guy and the others? Same night, yeah. Okay. It yeah. all happened in one night. Yeah. Six people. Because he killed the three homeless guys and then the two party goers and then the guy in the okay, yeah. thing. So David's like, uh, pull over. And then he gets out and he starts he starts running through the park and, and Alex is chasing him. She's like, what's going on? So he runs up to this cop and he's like, I, I killed those six people. And the, do- and the <laughs> cop is like, oh yeah, sure you did. You know, and he's like, no, I did. And he just, the cop isn't buying it. He's like, yep. and so then David starts saying all these like offensive things about the British people. Yeah. Which is, uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he says Shakespeare was French. Every Churchill's full of shit. Yeah. Uh, Prince Charles calls him a homophobic slur. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he says, he just starts saying shit, fuck, piss, whatever. Alex is just like begging him to stop. And the officer refuses to arrest him. He's like, no, I'm not going to arrest you. And then so David says to Alex, he's like, look, I, like, I killed those people. I can't be here. I got to go. And so he he says, I love you. And he runs away. You know, and, and Alex is just like, oh, my God, what's going on? Uh, so Alex goes to the doctor's office with the investigators and they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with David and the investigators, you know, they, they're like, oh, we're going to go find him, you know, and then they leave. And then Sergeant McManus is like, don't worry, we'll find him. I promise you. And then he goes to turn around and the door is closed and he kind of has this moment of like, oh, the door. And then he opens the door and leaves. It's this last little comedy beat of the movie. Yeah. So then we cut back to David in a toll booth and he's on the phone with his family and he's just telling him goodbye. He's on the phone with his little sister and he's like mom and dad aren't home and he's like but just tell them when you see them tell them that i, that I love them and i love you and i and i love uh you know our, our little brother he's just like uh, take care of yourselves be nice to your brother and i love you guys so then he he 
hangs up the phone and then he tries to cut his wrist with a little pocket knife. Oof. The wrong way too. He doesn't do yeah. it the right up the vertically. He does it horizontally and he can't do it. He can't bring himself to do it. He exits the, uh, the worst, the worst. And then he sees Jack, the, the spirit of Jack again. And Jack is now just like this decrepit kind of like almost like a skeleton now, mm-hmm. but he's yeah, standing he's out. Really, he's really a wreck, really decayed and in bad shape. Yeah. And he's standing outside of this porno theater and he like waves uh, David in. And so then they go in to uh, the porno theater. The, the porno in this movie, these are the best jokes in the whole movie. I thought, yeah. They're, they're the best ones. Uh, a couple is making love in a hotel. A man enters like a, so it's just, it's, it's, it's a man and a woman on a bed making out naked and another dude with a mustache and no shirt on enters and he goes, what the hell's going on here? You promised me you'd never do anything like this again. And the other guy goes, I never promised such a thing. And the woman says, I've never seen you before in my life. And the man says, oh, sorry. And then he just leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and then it cuts to, to David and Jack and David goes, great movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like such a good moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack's like, hey, let me introduce you to uh, this guy. And it's the spirit of the, of the man in the subway that he murdered. The man's like, you, you have to die you know the man's like you have to kill yourself because i'm stuck in limbo now and like you have to sever the bloodline of the werewolves and then uh jack starts introducing him to the rest of the uh the people that he murdered the homeless people the couple that he murdered yeah there's a whole gallery of uh shredded bloody people surrounding him yeah and it's great because there's more comedy here because the couple is very like jolly they're like hello you know and then they start kind of like um talking about you know, she, he's like, how do I kill myself? Do I, can I hang myself? And he's like, he's like, no, no, you gotta, you can't do it like that. Uh, I don't know why he says he can't do it like that. He says, uh, if you do it wrong, it could be real painful. Yeah. It could be real painful. And so like, uh, one, the woman's like, what about a gun? You know? And then everyone just starts chiming in about yeah, different ways. Just brainstorming. <laughs> brainstorming different ways that he can kill himself. Uh, drowning. Yeah, car yeah, crash. Yeah. Car crash. You know, knife. And so then so David suddenly just transforms into a wolf again. And um, I think because it's sunset, you know. Yeah. And so then there's a there's a man who's standing over him, like well, maybe a waning gibbous is still good enough to cause a transformation because it wouldn't be a full moon again that night. Right, right. And so uh, a man is standing over him as he's transforming. He's like, this guy's like, what is this guy like trying to masturbate or something? He's this manager standing over him. The guy's like, and and David's like, run, run away. And then the guy doesn't run away. And then we cut away and we hear the scream from the guy. And that scream notifies another man in the front of the theater. And he's like, and what the ticket hell? Booth, right? the ticket the... booth. Yeah. One of these guys, an usher or something. Yeah. Ticket taker. And he's like, the guy's like, what the hell is that? He says, it, and then he runs into the back and into the film. And then we're in the, the porno again. And it's great because all this stuff that's going on throughout the whole scene, there's just all this moaning of people fucking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so it's just like every, anything that's serious is off put by this, like, uh, the moaning fucking noises. In the yeah. <laughs> the um, audio from this porn. <laughs> yeah. It's great. And so then we get another glimpse, uh, another joke from this porno movie and the woman, uh, totally naked, uh, gets a phone call in the hotel room and she answers it and she says, hello. No, I'm sorry. Nobody here of that name. Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> That's the whole scene. And then, uh, the other man is, is ravaged by the werewolf. And the police are called. The police run in and they see that um, all these men are torn to shreds. And then they, they catch a glimpse of David who's just eating one of these men. 
And then the police runs out of the theater and then closes the gate, you know, and locks this theater and he locks the werewolf inside. The doctor and, and Alex are like headed over to the theater because they hear that, that that's where he is, you know. So they start heading over to the, the theater. The werewolf bursts out of the theater and starts just attacking people. Uh, he immediately bites the head off this one guy. The head, the head rolls. It was the, yeah, it was the stuffy cop who would never listen to what's his name suggestions. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally missed that. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't notice it until this time around. But yeah, it was the, the Scotland Yard cop. The oh, that's one who great. Keeps, like, telling oh, he the died, other guy to stop so talking. Swiftly. The uh, guy who has all the right ideas. Like, that's great. Uh, and then like a bus swerves and crashes, a man's thrown from the window and, and is immediately run over by a car. And it's just like, this is such a great chaotic, like oh, everyone yeah. panicking scene. There's a good like few minutes of just car crashes and people getting run over and like knocked through windows. Yeah. Very and, John Landis, you know, the blues brothers had a whole lot of car crashes, you know, that was kind of his signature. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was so good. And so then the werewolf is, it just is running away. He's running through the alleys. And the, uh, you know, and the police are chasing him and citizens are chasing him. Um, and then we cut to these uh, police who are lo- ro- loading their rifles, you know, preparing to gun down this werewolf. The doctor and Alex show up and Alex runs through the street thinking that she can save David, you know. So she arrives to the firing squad just as they're about to fire. She stops them and she she shoves her way through, shoves her way through and she starts approaching David. Werewolf David. Werewolf David. And she says, is it you, David? They're going to kill you. He says, please, David, let me help you. And then he's snarling at her. You know, he sees this werewolf just snarling, just ready to attack. And then she says, I love you, David. And just as she says that, there's a moment of calm in his eyes. Yeah. And then he suddenly leaps forward to attack and then he's gunned down by the police. Then the police approach behind Alex. The werewolf is no longer there. It's just David lying there full of bullet holes. And Alex is sobbing. And then we cut and that's the end of the film. And we cut straight to uh, Oh, yeah, I think it was a different version. It was like the upbeat version yeah, of Blue Moon of or something. Moon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was awesome. I, I loved it. I loved every part of that movie. I thought it was like it was super funny. The the practical effects were incredible. The acting was good. The acting was great. I mean, everything was about it. I just like. Uh, it was never a dull moment. I mean, it was just like, yeah, it really is like, uh, it was a critical and commercial success when it came out, you know, it was like, uh, not one of these, like a lot of the ones we're watching that will, were only appreciated later on. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It's also, it's ranked like, uh, AFI or somebody ranked it like number one Oh seven of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, that's awesome. It's so good, man. Yeah. Like, uh, it's probably my favorite one that we've watched so far. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, John Landis's favorite of his own films. Wow. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, it's like uh, it's got a layers. The comedy is just like it. It feels so fresh for such an old movie. Yeah, that, that oh, I think dude, is, all of it holds up very, very well. Anything you want to say before we get into some more uh, notes and stuff? Or? No, I don't think so. Yeah, not too scary, but it's got no. it's gory enough, and it like it is a horror movie for sure, but one of the funniest. Yes, definitely one of the funniest. Uh, really inspired like Edgar Wright when he made Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I mean, to, I just love the, the porno jokes were so funny, dude. Yeah, that was the actually the first uh, thing that they shot for the movie was that they made that, you know, they made that uh, that fake porno. Just it's just for so good, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Landis, you know, being a seasoned comedy director, like he, you know, it really shows. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of set a precedent precedent for like, uh, you know, get out like years later. Yeah. You know, people think, you know, Jordan Peele's like one of the, you know, the new, like great horror director of his generation. Right. Right. Um, Oh, a little bit about John Landis, kind of a bummer, honestly. Okay. Um, the year after American werewolf in London, uh, during the filming of the twilight zone movie, uh, there was a helicopter crash on set that killed actor Vic Morrow and two child extras, Ooh. uh, Micah Din Lee and Renee Shin Yi. Oh my God. Yeah. They were like crushed and like decapitated. Oh this helicopter. my God. And it was for the film. Oh uh, yeah. On the oh. set while filming like, you know, one of the final sequences in the twilight zone movie. Oh yeah brutal you know they thought it was like uh had to do with uh you know explosive like special effects explosions being detonated too close to the low-flying helicopters jesus landis and the crew were uh charged with involuntary manslaughter but ultimately acquitted uh but they did settle for two million each for the two kids and an undisclosed amount uh to vic morrow's children which include uh included actress jennifer jason lee uh, who was 20 years old at the time. It was a pretty horrible tragedy. Wow. Uh, during an interview, Landis stated, uh, when you read about the accident, they say we were blowing up huts, which we weren't, and that debris hit the tail rotor of the helicopter, which it didn't. The FBI crime lab, who was working for the prosecution, finally figured out that the tail rotor deliminated, delim- yeah, or delaminated, which I don't know what that means, helicopter sure. term. Uh, which is why the pilot lost control. Uh, the special effects man who made the mistake by setting off a fireball at the wrong time was never charged. Wow. But uh, this incident did end Landis's uh, friendship with Steven Spielberg, who he was working on the Twilight Zone movie with at the time, and who advised him, you know, like, hey, I don't think this is safe. Oof. You should shoot this this way or whatever. So pretty dark cloud hanging over his career, unfortunately. Oh. Like, uh, horrible tragedy. Yeah, that's brutal. But anyway, you know, it's worth mentioning, but it sucks. Let's see what else I got here. That's a little bit less of a bummer. Uh, so an American Wildlife in London was the first film allowed to shoot in Piccadilly Circus in 15 years at the time. Uh, and Landis accomplished this by inviting 300 members of the London Metropolitan Police Service to a screening of the Blues Brothers. Okay. And they were so impressed with the movie that they granted the production a two-night filming permit between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m. Wow. And... Uh, they only stopped traffic three times in two minute increments while filming all the, the stunts involving the double decker bus and all the car crashes. So, uh, it got mostly great reviews. Roger Ebert only gave it two out of four stars. Suck it. Ebert <laughs> stated that an American werewolf in London seems curiously unfinished as if director John Linda spent all his energy on spectacular set pieces and then didn't want to bother with things like transitions, character development, or an ending. What? Which is like, again, did you see the same movie we did? In in his mind, what is the ending of the movie? I don't know, you know, but yeah. It's it's, like, what is that? The wolf is dead and the woman is sad and the people are safe. Yeah. What, like, what else? Do you want that? He wanted that Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King extended with 10. Yeah. We need the funeral and we need like the fucking doctor to, to, pat the nurse on the back and tell her everything's going to be okay. Yeah. We need to show her in therapy and we need to yeah, like meeting his family and being like, I knew yeah, him. everybody's he's, sad. Nobody and... cares. 
Ebert, goddamn! Show you. the guys back at the pub, you know, talking. Well, wow, we guess maybe we should have said something. Yeah, and then there's like a cliffhanger or something. Yeah, yeah we don't need it. It yeah. was a perfect ending. I thought so too. Oh, it's a perfect you know? ending. Um, Fucking Ebert. He just didn't like horror movies. That son of a bitch. Yeah, you know, he very rarely gave them good reviews. It seems in terms of recognition, uh, an American Werewolf in London is chiefly appreciated as a milestone in the comedy horror genre. And for its innovative makeup, uh, innovative makeup effects. Oh, the Daily Telegraph stated that it was the first mainstream hit, which managed to make its gross out effects simultaneously shocking and hilarious and called it uh, the signature werewolf transformation scene. Stunningly ingenious without a computer effect in sight, but also suffused with squirm inducing agony. The Telegraph also cited a slew of 1980s genre films which came after American Werewolf in London and followed the film's example of blending visceral horror effects with comedy, such as Beetlejuice, Gremlins, and Evil Dead 2. Uh, Rolling Stone's Joshua Rothkopf, writing on the 35th anniversary of the film's release, called An American Werewolf in London an allegory in exoticized Jewishness. This is embodied by the character of David as his growing awareness of his otherness as a werewolf alongside his own outsider status as a Jewish American in England. Hiding a deep secret within one's body, strange urges, xenophobic glances, accusatory feelings of guilt, David's condition already has a name, and this won't be the first film in which Jewish otherness is made monstrous. Got it. Oh yeah, so Griffin Dunny was uh, advised to be encouraging, optimistic, and cheerful as a member of the undead and no matter what his stage of ghost ghastly corporeal decay, which he found difficult as he was seeing what he would look like as a rotting mutilated corpse. Whoa. Uh, the first time he had his onstage makeup applied, he found himself incredibly depressed. Uh, quote, I looked like I'd just been killed a few minutes earlier and it was really unsettling. Oh God damn it. Dude. Uh, <laughs> and he was worried about his mom who was sick seeing the movie. And when she did, she was uh, very disturbed by seeing her son as a corpse. Yeah. Uh, that can't be good. I I had to die to pretend die in a, a scene in a thing I shot. And my friend from childhood was like, I really didn't like that. Like, yeah. Watch so, you die. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, that's a weird thing you don't think about with actors that yeah. like this stuff can have a, a really weird effect on you. Yeah. You know, requires a lot of uh, tough stuff emotionally. Sometimes I think that one guy said it was like a metaphor for Jewishness. I don't know. I think like the mental illness thing is a big thing that connects with werewolf movies for me. Yeah. Specifically because when I was, you know, having a manic episode, uh, there was a part where I got so crazy that I thought I might be turning into a werewolf. That's crazy, dude. Turns out it was just the effect of your brain from not sleeping for, you know, two weeks on end. Yeah, of course, it's you who would think that. You're yeah. a horror fan. Well, yeah. Also, you know, I'd seen this movie a whole lot. So, right. maybe, you know, it put that in my brain. Yeah, that's crazy. Wrote a short story about it. Maybe I'll uh, link to it in the, the episode. Uh, oh, that'd be tight. If you guys care to read that. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I'm glad you're not a werewolf. Me too. You know, turns out just a little crazy, but yeah, that's good. Got that's it okay. treated all good now. We're all a little nuts. Uh, should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap this we up. Gotta we gotta go. I gotta go. got stuff to do. Host this goddamn open mic this fucking <laughs> uh duty calls man yeah well thanks everybody i hope i hope this was enjoyable yeah thanks for checking out the only horror movie podcast um we really appreciate it i think yeah. we got to figure out a better way with this mic situation because I, I i feel like i have a better better t- like time when we can like look at each other it is a little weird yeah maybe yeah. we can we'll think about that for the next one everybody's just looking at my profile so, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I keep like turning and looking at you but yeah. also talking into the mic yeah but. all right well hey everybody thank you so much for for being here yeah you know 
subscribe and uh, rate us five stars as you can and tell your friends. Do everything you can there. Love you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha ha ha!